Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. I'll treat you with good old-fashioned common sense and nothing else. The movement of everyday Americans from every walk of life. Now we've got momentum. This is the tipping point. Now we've got a movement. That's <laughs> it, please. This is 300 level college education. Exercise some common sense. Time to play the game. This is expensive stuff that you're getting for free. This is part of the movement of common sense. 14 years as Charlotte Mayor. Governor of the Tar Heel State, Pat McCrory. Me now, North Carolina Governor Pat McCrory. Governor, Governor North Carolina you. Governor Pat McCrory is joining us for the first time as an official NBC News contributor. This now with North Carolina Governor Pat McCrory. Four years as NC Governor. This is quite an honor for me today. I'm overwhelmed, and I'm honored to be on the main street of our beautiful capital city. Boy Scouts in the audience, and they may we served together when I was governor of Indiana, and, and uh, he did a great job. Pat McCrory, I honestly, uh, Bo, I don't, I don't know how good he is on radio. You'll have to tell him that I said that. Get back to me, y'all. This is Pat McCrory. That's more fun than being the governor, ain't it? <laughs> News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Brett Jensen here sitting in for Bo Thompson and Beth Troutman. It's Wednesday, so just because they're not here doesn't mean that he's not going to show up, and that's Governor Pat McCrory. Bo Thompson's riding home right now, listening to the radio, shaking in his shoes right now. He's going, oh, my God, I gave the studio up to Brent and to McCrory. <laughs> really? He's Right now, you know him. Oh, I mean, he's oh, such oh. a diehard. He's such a boy scout. He's the greatest guy I've ever met, and I hate him because of it. Because he's so nice. <laughs> he's laughing right now. Oh, he's of course he is. Of His parents is. are wanting to get to me right now. <laughs> uh, we got a lot to get into today. There's going to be some stuff later on where I'm going to interview Governor McCrory about a lot of different things. And full disclosure, he and I have done this before. And every single time we do this, he literally, just like a real interview, has no idea what I'm going to ask him. Doesn't know what the questions are. Doesn't even know what the topic's about. But I know, especially early on, um, you know, there's some things that you specifically want to talk about and get off your chest. Yeah, we're going to listen. If you can't take the truth, I'm going to tell you what the truth is. I'm going to step on the toes of both the right and the left. I'm going to step on the toes of politicians who say one thing but do another. And I don't care if they're Republican or Democrat because I'm out of the game right now. I'm in a different game right now, but I, I, I've played the game. I've been played by the game. I'm here and continue to do this one day a week to expose the game. And we need to do more of that on both sides because a lot of this game is about money and power, just like in your life and your business, in your own life. It's about money and power and greed. And we've got a lot of that going on right now. And um, I've devoted the fourth quarter of my life to exposing the hypocrisy, because I've played the game, I've been played by the game, and I want to expose the game, but I'm not going to do it in a mean-spirited way. I'm not going to call people names. I'm not going to judge people's intelligence. I'm going to answer your questions real directly. I'm not going to re-pivot either from your questions during the next hour. But some of your listeners might not want to hear what I have to say because it doesn't follow the agenda of what people want to hear. Because right now, the media, everyone listens to what they want to hear mm -hmm. and what they agree with. 
our, our medias are so segregated right now by political bias, by because they're satisfying the audience. Yep. And by the way, that's one reason why I'm doing NBC and I did Meet the Press this week. I'm very direct on Meet the Press. And I, I commend them for allowing me to be on because it's three-on-one. But if you've noticed, this Sunday, I didn't hold back. I did not hold back. And I had Susan, what was her name, from Paige, from me, from uh, USA Today go, well, if you do that, that means Biden wins. And I go, what's wrong with a choice? What's wrong with having another choice? So I was stepping on some toes on, on Meet the Press the other day. It's always three to one when you're on Meet the Press, though. It's been that yeah, way forever. Yeah, it's the same thing on on Fox That's when right. it's three to one against right. Juan Williams. Yeah. <laughs> Juan you Williams. know, it's always three or it's four to one against uh, Juan because the whoever's right. moderating. And who's the black woman that used to be on CNN that got in trouble for leaking the questions to Hillary Clinton? Oh, oh she's on ABC now oh, this really? week. Yeah, yeah, she's she's she, she, she's she a went, paid she was, ABC analyst. Yeah, see, she was on Fox and now she's at. But ABC. But you see what yeah. they're doing is. They know the demographics of the audience that are listening to them. Mm -hmm. They know the advertisers of the audience that are listening to them. Everything's in a silo. Everything's in a silo. It's true in radio, too. It is. It's true in radio. And so I'm, I'm at the point in my life where I'm going, okay, this is the way the game works. And part of the game is to appease you, the listener, so you won't change the channel. And this is true on TV. This is true in radio. When we come back, we're so going to you talk might to change the channel because you might <laughs> not like some things I say. Um, when we come back, we are going to uh, talk real briefly about some stuff going on in Atlanta and the January oh, 6th. Oh, stuff. my gosh. And if you can count me out when it comes to destruction, as John Lennon says, right? Yep. And then we're going to. And David from Asheville came just for mine. <laughs> <laughs> hey, David. Hey, uh, well, there's actually some stuff that I want to talk to you about that David from Asheville will be very interested in. Well, he's well already fallen asleep. <laughs> um, but so we're going to do an interview with Pat McCory. He has no idea what my questions are going to be. And. Um, and also, we're going to talk a little bit about the J6 stuff as well as what's going on in Atlanta. Right now, let's swing on over to the WPG uh, Traffic Center. Bo, are you still there? Bo, Bo's listening right now on the way. Good morning, BT. Brett Jensen sitting in for Bo Thompson and Beth Crowman. As I always like to say, it only takes one Brett to do the job of a Bo and Beth. But uh, Governor McCory is still here, as he is every single Wednesday. This could be my last Wednesday, though, after what I say today. God knows. And right, HR is sitting at the window right now, ready to storm in if I say anything politically incorrect. David from Asheville put a little stick through the door <laughs> to stop it. Thank you, David. HR puffing stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, Governor, thoughts on... Once again, with all the videos coming out with Tucker, Tucker Carlson, because he had access to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of the January 6th stuff, and also comparing that, or is there any similarities to everything going on in Atlanta about the protests not wanting a new police center? Well, this is all coordinated. Listen, I've had to deal with violence as a mayor and as a governor, and I know the game. And the game is there are radical left and right groups that end up being the same. And their goal is to cause destruction and revolution. They want anarchy. They're called anarchists. And the people in Atlanta right now are anarchists. They're Antifa. And I said on this show two years ago that Antifa came to Charlotte and the left-wing media went, went ballistic. How do you know Antifa went Charlotte? Because I had intel telling us. 
and it was about 25 people who caused the riot here in Charlotte, and and then they pulled in other protesters to follow them. And what these what these radical left and right people do who want to cause anarchy, anarchy, they want to destroy institutions of religion, they want to destroy institutions of government, they want to destroy institutions of business. They don't know what the after they do that, they assume they're going to be the ones taking over them, right? Because they're pure. Well, the Antifa in Georgia and Atlanta are trying to stop a police training center from being built. And I recognize these, they, all, they wear masks, they come in with backpacks, they have, they have firecrackers and bombs and Molotov cocktails in their backpacks. It's all coordinated. Then they bring other people with them. And those idiots who come with them follow them, and then they leave. But they did arrest some of them, and most of them were out of state, which I used to see in Charlotte during mm-hmm. our riots. And most of them, some of them were even out of the country. But I see similarities with January 6th. There were about 25 to 50 people who were very well-trained, part of the military. They had the backpacks on just like Antifa. They knew how they were going to get into the building. They knew how to break the window and get in. And then they let the other idiots follow them, and they step out of the way. I'm tell- They understand group dynamics. That's part of the training. And I'm telling – now I've got people on the left going, oh, that's not true on our side. And then I've got people on the right saying, that's not true. We wouldn't do that. Yeah, you would. It's called group dynamics. It's called mom- mob mentality. The communists and the fascists used to do this, too. The communists and the fascists used to stir up the mob and then get the mob reacting to the emotion and do things they would never do in their lifetime except they get this emotion. And they're mad, mad as hell, and I'm not going to take it anymore. And as a result, I've had to call the National Guard, and then the National Guard and the police get in trouble for, for being physical against the mob. And this happened on January 6th at our Capitol, and I'd always say, my God, the right doesn't do this. Well, sorry, January 6th did it. You don't attack police officers. You don't break down barriers where the barriers say, don't move beyond this point. Even if there's one police officer that looks like Barney Fife going, you see this? You see this badge? This means something. You listen to me. You respect it. Those protesters didn't do that on January 6th. Mm -hmm. And in Atlanta, Antifa could care less. But they wanted mob to follow them. You see the the films in Atlanta where they're throwing explosive material at these two poor guys trying to close the gate, and they never closed the gate. It looked like Barney Fife. Yeah. <laughs> Andy, is, yeah. I'm trying to close the gate, and they're throwing <laughs> explosions at me. And they never closed the gate. But I give them points for they were under fire. Oh, yes. And this is America. You see, our Constitution, I respect our Constitution, and the two most powerful words in our Constitution, two of them, peaceful assembly, and that applies to both the right and the left. Peaceful assembly. I don't give a damn who you are. That means you can't threaten elected officials or police officers or school teachers or your emergency room doctor. And if the minute you start doing that, you're... You're disrespecting the Constitution, the thin piece of paper that stops us from becoming anarchy. 
that I feel so strongly about this. And I'm, if I'm stepping on yours as well, that we're different because we're right. Well, both sides think they're right. But anarchists don't care because once the anarchy causes the destruction, they walk away. That is a, that's true. They walk away. They usually don't get arrested. I saw here in Charlotte when I was mayor and a governor, the guys who break the windows walk away after they break the windows. Then we arrest the people who go through the windows, like what happened on January the 6th. They knew exactly what they were doing. And, yes, some of them, and then the police are cold. Then the police, and I've seen this with city of police, and I saw this with the Capitol Police. They're, they're told to stand down. S- just stop. Get out of the way. We, we can't handle it. They've, these people will do anything. And, and even some of those Capitol Hill, we're not being paid enough to stop this crap. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. You know, we've been left abandoned here. So when we come back, I'm going to interview Governor McCory. He has no idea what my questions are going to be. Um, I'm going to look at your teleprompter. That you have <laughs> well, well, unlike, uh, the, unlike uh, the TV people in D.C., I don't have a teleprompter. You don't. You don't. Uh, so I've I committed don't. to answering your questions yeah. this next hour. We're not going to yeah. do any top five. McCory top five. We're not going to do freedom. We're not going to do I'm So Sorry, Uncle Albert. We're going to do this like a podcast. Almost. Yeah, well, it's because, you know, you avoided me the entire time that I you were did. running for office. And so now I've got your crowd. You can't run anywhere. So <laughs> I've got you in the office. I got you in the studio. You can't go anywhere. You know, David from Asheville still has that stick in that door so no one can get in. But it also means no one can get out. So. I thought about that. St. Jude treats children across the country and around the world, regardless of color, creed, or financial capability, because they're committed to love and care for their neighbors. Join me in helping St. Jude give every child with cancer the chance they deserve to survive. Together, we can save more lives. Call now to become a partner in hope. 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. <laughs> Good morning, BT. Welcome back to Good Morning, BT. Brett Jensen sitting in for Bo and Beth. Governor McQuarrie is here. We're going up until 10 o'clock. 704-570-1110 is always the telephone number here if you want something to say. And also make sure you follow me on Twitter at Brett underscore Jensen for all the latest in breaking news in and around the Charlotte area. I'm still recovering from that tornado warning alert, which <laughs> right, was a practice right. test. Uh, all right. So it's interview time. Since you avoided me for a good eight or nine months while on the campaign trail, I've got you locked in the studio. So now's a good time, I thought, to interview you. Governor Corey Avoid has no- is the wrong word. Yeah. Run. Well, Run gov- is a better word. Governor McCory has no idea what I'm going to ask. Literally has no idea what I'm going to ask. So I want to start off with something. David from Asheville slipped me a note and wanted me to ask you this very first question. Mm -hmm. When you were governor, how, and I know the CBD oil was a thing and it was just maybe coming out while your time in governor. But now we've gone from that to now it looks like there's a very strong chance medical marijuana is going to pass in the North Carolina legislature and become a state law. Um, and allowing medical marijuana. What are your thoughts on that? I have real mixed feelings about it. I, I understand there are some people benefiting from it. I don't think it's been scientifically proven, but I'm concerned medical marijuana started in California and then it became legal marijuana within the day the 
dispensaries opened up because the police, I mean, the doctors just gave out the prescriptions like it was free candy. Oh, you want pot? Here. So it became a game. So I'll be real curious what restrictions they put on the people selling it regarding the distribution. And uh, because the fact of the matter is if you're under the 25, and I've studied this, I'm not anti-anti-pop, but if you're, I'm, I'm anti-disturbing the brain right now. And mental health is the number one problem in our country and in the state. And anytime you interfere with the way brain waves, we're causing possibly long-term damage to the brain. And we have no idea what the cost of that is long-term. And right now, there are really no studies on the long-term cost of people smoking pot, especially before the age of 25, when the brain is yet developed. And there are starting to be some things saying you might be stifling the brain from expanding, and you might be causing serious mental health issues. Plus, marijuana today versus marijuana 30 years ago, the THC in it and the chemicals in it, God knows. Only God knows. So... By the way, I feel the same way about liquor, too. I mean, now we're seeing the studies of liquor and the brain waves being disturbed and the mental health, the addiction. And marijuana is addictive, by the way. We, we pretend that marijuana is not addictive. The only reason you don't think marijuana is addictive because I don't need to have a joint every five hours. That's because marijuana stays in your system such a long time. And that's why so many people fail drug tests. The, but if you're a truck driver or a police officer or a firefighter or a doctor and you're using marijuana for your medical use, I don't want you driving that truck the next day. What are your thoughts on how it should be? Because I've, I've spoken to doctors about this. Yeah. In terms of it being dispensed, do you think it should only, if it passes, only dispensed at actual pharmacies like now or dispensaries that are set up like ABC stores? Oh, don't get me into the ABC store argument. That, those are great questions. Uh I'll just tell you right now, the lobbying on this, the money being poured into Raleigh to pass this is a lot of money. And you've got some of the most powerful lobbyists convincing Republicans and Democrats to start this process. The money behind it against the recreational marijuana. I mean, just look at the marketing term. I've said this many times. You know, if the cigarette industry only would have been smart enough to call it recreational cigarettes and then some medical cigarettes we'd still have the Winston Cup today. <laughs> well, Dave, I mean, that's all marketing. Yeah. Recreational marijuana. The liquor industry. Why don't we just call it recreational vodka? By the way, David from Nashville said that he now has glaucoma. <laughs> He's had it for a long time. <laughs> and it hadn't gotten any better. And David from Asheville is an example of someone whose brain is no longer the same as it used to be. The smoke gets in your eyes. <laughs> but, there, but, but I'll just tell you the game. The game is the lobbying on this is incredible, and yet very few politicians are talking about it. Did you hear it in the State of the State speech by Cooper? Did you hear it in the State of the State response by Robinson? They're afraid to talk about it. I think it was 36 to 10, I think is what it the, Neither passed. one brought yeah. it up. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that shows me the power of money. But I could also say, frankly, I know of some examples of people who it's a better alternative maybe than other things they're doing. Welcome back to WBT, 1110-993. Brett Jensen here, final segment, sitting in for Bo and Beth. Hold Governor on, I just Corey's got a here. note from HR. 
Please come to the VP's office immediately after the show. Is that for me or David or you? I think it's for me no. and David from Asheville. David's probably getting a promotion. <laughs> uh, so interviewing you, I just asked you about your thoughts about medical marijuana and it potentially coming to North Carolina. Now I want to ask you some other things that are really big and hot on the burner, and it's going to be introduced soon and most likely pass. Gambling. Sports gambling, specifically in North Carolina, you can legally do it now, place sports bets, but you have to physically do it in the casino. Right, you know, the one in Kings Mountain and the one up in Cherokee, and I think there's one down in Murphy. Big money there. So what are your thoughts about (laughs) now being able to potentially gamble on your phone and there actually being like a betting service coming to Charlotte right, right in Uptown like a big place that they would put in Uptown where you can place bets and watch your sporting events and everything else. What are your thoughts on legalized sports gambling? The cat's out of the bag, and uh, now government's getting involved and want a cut of the action. What's amazing, though, if they want too much of a cut of the action, just like with marijuana, as we've learned in California and other states, the black market of gambling will continue because they'll go around saying, I'm not paying these taxes. I'll just go around the legal marijuana and cut through the regulation, and we'll just, you know, do it back in the old days at the press box. <laughs> the press box. <laughs> that's, that's, that's right. That that's was right. the old gambling It spot, was. You know, where the same old guys every night were. Even the robbers knew it after a while. They'd go in and I remember one time the press box, the old press box yeah. got robbed. And uh, the guys came in with masks and said, uh, give me your wallets and get down on the floor. And one guy went. I gave my wallet, but I ain't getting down on that damn floor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no tell what's on that floor. I love the old press box. <laughs> yeah. Camel rider. So I have, but again, big money. And, you know, the, the Republican, the conservative Republicans used to be against all re, all gambling. They, used and to, now, they fought against the lottery in oh, North the Carolina. the lottery, but the conservative Republicans have, uh, you know, the ones that called me that I'm not a true conservative, you know, in my Senate race are now voting for uh, medical marijuana, gambling, and Medicaid expansion. I was going to ask you about <laughs> Medicaid expansion. It just amazes me. I mean, the Republicans were against that forever and ever during Cooper's tenure. and that's During why my we, tenure. Well, and that's why we didn't have, with Cooper, I think for the first four years or, you know, or at least three years of it, we didn't have a budget because they refused. You know, there yeah. was just that impasse over the Medicaid expansion. So we literally didn't have a signed budget in the yeah. state for two or three years. What are your thoughts on that now that it's actually passed through the Republican-held, um, you know, legislature? Well, during the state of the uh, state speech by the governor, the governor was rubbing it in. We've got Medicaid expansion, and all the Republicans sat on their hands and crossed their crossed their hands and elbows and. Like they voted against it when all the Republicans, almost all the Republicans voted for it. And they, these are the same Republicans that when I was governor, I went, to, I went and met with Obama and got in a big argument with him. Not an argument, but we were respectful. And I said, you know, they wanted me to do Medicaid expansion, the White House at that time. And I went to go visit. And I said, I'll hear your thing. They gave it to me. And I said, well, will you give me waivers for viable working men? Explain waivers. You get a waiver, an exception that we will do it, but if it's a, a man between the age of 25 and 50 that we know can work, we're not going to give him Medicaid expansion. And Obama said, I'm not going to do that. And I said, well, that's what I did for public housing when I was mayor. 
We'd give public housing, but we wouldn't give it to people who could work, and they refused to work. See, I'm a conservative. <laughs> well, I brought that proposal. Obama said no anyway. But when I got back to Raleigh, you know, uh, the current leaders of the House and Senate Republicans lamb blasted me how dare you even consider medicaid expansion in fact they then put a bill on my desk saying we will not do medicaid expansion those exact same republicans are doing it now and it's partly due to surveys they won't admit that and it's partly due to uh, very powerful lobbying by blue cross blue shield by the hospitals and by others and and it's just amazing to see the republicans sitting on not applauding for a vote they just made. You saw it. Overwhelmingly and, voted and, for it. And the lieutenant governor didn't even bring it up in his response. So why did the Republicans vote for it? Which is the biggest expansion of government in North Carolina history. Well, then why do you think the Republicans finally voted for it? The lobbying pressure. I mean, the lobbyists are, they're, they're giving a lot of money to, I mean, not legal, it's legal. Mm -hmm. But the political pressure was amazing from the hospitals, which have some of the most powerful lobbyists in North Carolina, which is why they hate Dale Falwell, Dale Falwell <clears throat> the treasurer, and, and um, surveys. And some people who used to work for the Republican legislature are now some of the most powerful lobbyists or spokespeople for the Blue Cross Blue Shields or the hospitals. I'm, I'm just telling you the game, guys. And What's even more ironic, these are the ones who accused me of not being a true conservative when I ran for the U.S. Senate. And now they're it, – it's just – it's just I'll call it hypocrisy on both sides. We've got 45 seconds, Governor. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on this because I know you know her father real well. But Rachel Hunt, native of Charlotte, lives here in Charlotte, said she's going to run for lieutenant governor. What are your thoughts on Rachel Hunt? Well, she changed her name back to Hunt when she first got into politics and her signs were the exact same signs as her father had when she was running for governor. And, and she won a very close election out in Matthews the first time. She will have more money than God when running because Jim Hunt, even in his 80s now, can raise some money. The trial lawyers will give her a ton of money. The trial lawyers, many of the trial lawyers, 80% of the trial lawyers and the teachers unions who own Cooper and the Democratic Party and they own Biden, you see, I call it on both sides. They will give her a boatload of money, and they'll have a very good chance of winning that seat. Usually, the Democrats focus more on the attorney generals. They usually have let the lieutenant governor. They don't care about lieutenant governor, but this is obviously a steep way to her being the next governor or well, governor, U.S. Senate candidate. We got through. The walls are still somewhat standing. Bo's going to have a place to come back to tomorrow. Burn, baby, burn. <laughs> oh, I just, I, I'm just talking about violence right after I gave a big lecture about violence. But it's Bo Thompson. Yeah, you know. Boy Scout. All right, so Bo and both will be back tomorrow <laughs> in ACC tournaments tonight. Thanks, I do man. not have a show tonight because of the ACC tournament. So, Governor, always a pleasure. Good seeing you again. Thank you, buddy. All right, John Moore, Bernie, thanks a lot. I'm Brett Jensen, and you've been listening to Good Morning BT.